Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with Professor Brian Cox, physicist and professor of particle physics at the University of Manchester. He's the host of several BBC science shows and he's now travelling across North America and the UK with his tour Horizons, a 21st century space odyssey. He's fantastic. If you listen to Under the Skin on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. They really help us and we love reading them out, so keep them coming. In this part, we talk about scientific objectivity and the obligation of people in the field of science to remain in a state of humility and the complexity that emerges when science becomes a subset of commerce or of the machinations of power. It's a fantastic conversation. You will love it. Listen to it carefully because Brian and I clearly see these issues differently and I certainly wouldn't claim to speak on behalf of Brian and you should certainly listen to the whole podcast in order to get the clear context of what we are discussing. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not a successful route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the skin. You know when art or music and I suppose in your case, science, and in my case, because sometimes like watching your stuff or Neil deGrasse Tyson's or, you know, like um, you know, Carl Sagan and stuff, you, like when you're taken to that point of absolute wonder, when you think, oh, my God, I actually can't hold that in my head anymore, you know, and like that could happen, though, in a beautiful animation or a beautiful piece of music where you're taken to that place like that's sort of beyond me and you feel, uh, yeah, that numinism, you feel that sense of this is beyond my faculties to know this, but I feel something greater, whether that is, you know, and however you want to define that is, you know, of course, that this place, this place, this precipice that can be reached through art and through just observation, really, observation and expression of the beauty of our reality it has become increasingly excluded, I feel, from our cultural and social life. And I feel, Brian, that you and, you know, some of the other, you, let's just about you, you don't seem to me typical of, you know, not that there's a, it's not really a crowded field, is it? Sort of a science entertainer, communicators. I mean, there's not loads of you really out there. But, but, but generally speaking, you know that there's this, this, you'll be familiar with the term scientism. You'll be familiar, of course, with a type of scientific understanding that's used to underwrite certainty. You'll be familiar too that recently, politically, scientific understanding has been, is, to some degree, necessarily been used to underwrite policy. But when it comes to conversations about gender, when it comes to conversation about government, mandating stuff. Can you see sometimes when it comes to the field of chemistry and pharmacology and the sort of the irresponsibly, you know, irresponsibility, and I, and I think we're on legally safe territory when we say with the opioid crisis, that science is occasionally a subset of corporatism. Science is occasionally a subset of power. Science is sometimes a subset of politics vis-a-vis -vis gender conversations and sexuality conversations. How do you retain your own purity how do you retain your own presume presumably your your own disgust in the same way as that i would be disgusted with anyone using religion as a way of reaching uh, being dogmatic certain condemnatory how do you manage the misuse i would call it of science well i mean a very good example as is the pandemic um because what you saw there was science in action in real time in a very serious situation. So if you go back, you know, three years, then there, we don't know anything about this virus at all. 
I, I, it, it may have been in some animal reservoir, you know, in bats or something. We, we really, we didn't know about it. We had no knowledge about this virus. And then we discover it. And then we start to do science in order to understand it, understand how it transmits, develop vaccines and so on. So what you saw there was real-time research. And I think that many people and politicians are just in general, not scientists, they're just people, right? That they, they, they didn't know, that they, they misunderstood that process. It's very easy in politics uh, to say, well, you, we heard it, right? This is the science. We are following the science as if there is a, a little book that you can open and it's, and there's a list of things and it says, right, do this. This is what you should do. You should wear masks in enclosed spaces or you should do this and that and, and so on. When actually what was happening was people were doing research and then finding out that, okay, so is this thing airborne or not? We didn't know actually initially does it spread mainly in droplets? Does it spread on surfaces? Does it do? So, so as you find out more about the thing, then the advice changes. And that, that's where I think that there can be a problem because that, that word, the advice changes. A lot of people, I think, tend to think that if advice changes, then the previous advice was wrong. It was, it was, it undermines the authority of the people that gave the advice. That's not the case in science. It's not that we, we the, the best way to look at science is that we never claim that we're right, right? All we're saying is that this is the best snapshot of our opinion at some time and it will change. And then on top of that, you're right. The undercurrent of your question is that people who are disingenuous, who are not practicing what we've been speaking about, which is humility, and just trying to understand the nature and understand a new thing, be it a pandemic disease or the evolution of the universe, that disingenuous people can just take the one piece of advice that backs up their prejudice and then use it vocally in order to justify their actions. And that's where it goes wrong. So it's not... It all goes back to this, this you've, we've got to understand that science is not a belief system, right? It's not, um, we're not, scientists don't sit on a mountain passing down stone tablets to the, <laughs> the people at the bottom saying, this is, this is it. As I just said, you know, go back to what I said about Feynman and Oppenheimer, science mm. is a satisfactory philosophy of ignorance. And so I think the problems occur that they can occur sometimes the scientists can you know it's very hard i had great respect for the scientists that were working during the pandemic you know the public facing scientists because they're not people necessarily who understand the nuance of communicating with the public right they, they don't, they're scientists and so they're likely to say well at the moment um we don't know everything but we know this and so we think you should do this but then they might not even say, because it's kind of obvious to them that actually we might discover something tomorrow and then we're going to say you should do the other thing. Right? So, so it's very, very, very difficult, especially in a serious situation like a pandemic, to, um, to, to communicate that. It's, it's, I'll just, it's an argument for science education, actually, yeah. because, because you, you need to, from, from being a child, from, yeah. from very young, 
you, if you can just understand that this is contingent knowledge, it's constantly evolving, it, you can't be told what to do, right? Mm. Science is not going to tell you what to do um, because with, with certainty, because we might <laughs> we, we'll find something else out tomorrow. But that I said it before, it's the point is it's the method we have of acquiring reliable knowledge. Like it provides potential survival techniques. We've observed these things. So our best estimate is if you do these things and don't do these things, the odds are you will, you will, the odds will improve for you based on our research. So the, the challenge for, I suppose, comes is when, subset, when science becomes a subset of economics or when science becomes a subset of power when science and I'm not now speaking particularly about the pandemic I'm speaking about how you know take the obvious example of the opioid crisis where drugs were released and promoted through physicians that were understood to be addictive and that information was controlled you know like me I have a background of addiction and all that stuff and it's subsequently been proven and there's been massive payouts by Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson and the and um, you know the other companies that profited from these drugs and the, the Sackler family and all those dudes you know, and this for me is that I would make a comparable argument around the subject of you know the the a formerly powerful ideology whose potency has waned and I'm sure to some degree this is beneficial and in other to another but from another perspective this is problematic the religious ideology religious ideology became used to underwrite power and to underwrite the intentions of the powerful and I I see sometimes it seems to me that in the field of pharmacology or in the field of what do I want to call it sort of sociology and um, social management if you're enjoying this conversation join me over at Luminary on Apple Podcasts for the rest of our discussion and for all the latest episodes of Under the Skin. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful that, route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand. Under the Skin.